<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to this episode of The Great America Show. Good to have you with us. And let me say to you, you're much appreciated. Thanks for joining us. And all of a sudden, we're doing our 239th episode. 239 episodes. And we only started the show at the end of last year, so thanks for being with us along the way. As we've all no doubt noticed, events are moving quickly in this great country of ours, and there is now underway an ever more massive political conflict of immense power and consequence. A conflict that grows sharper by the day, and its rational resolution grows, it seems, more distant by the day as well. Our impaired puppet president and his hateful speech last Thursday still reverberating through the country as he slurred half of all Americans as fascist. Biden's anger masks his desperation, facing as he does an electorate who disapprove of him, who say the country is going in the wrong direction. And those MAGA Americans are outraged at Biden's hate and his lies, persistent and constant lies, and those of his attorney general, both of whom lied about their roles in the FBI raid of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago offices, and of course, also his son Barron's room and Melania's closet. Go figure. Hillary Clinton was thrilled with Biden's hateful remarks, by the way. She said Biden did a very important service to the country by calling Republicans semi-fascist and reminding everyone She's the one who called Trump supporters deplorables. And the man who wouldn't warn the American people that then-Vice President Biden was lying in the weeks before the 2020 election is talking up a storm now. The man who famously declared the FBI had spied on President Trump now defending that corrupt agency and on a whirlwind, week-long commentary broadside against President Trump. A week ago, on the Mar-a-Lago raid, former Attorney General William Barr claimed President Trump had, as Barr put it, quote, jerked around the DOJ, then said he doubted Trump had declassified the documents, and if he had, it would have been an abuse of power. Wow. Then two days later, Barr opined the judge's order to appoint a special master to oversee the Mar-a-Lago documents was, quote, wrong, while other attorneys were saying it should have been done and should have been done earlier. And then Barr declared yesterday he believes the DOJ is close to indicting President Trump. Pathetic is the only word. No, there are lots of other words that apply as well to Barr. Many more, in fact. Our guest today has a lot to say about the FBI and the DOJ. Our guest is Paul Sperry. He is a great American, a great investigative reporter. He's a reporter for Real Clear Investigations, a media fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. And Paul, it's great to have you with us here. Welcome, and let's start with your take on the FBI's Mar-a-Lago raid. 
Yeah, so we found in our investigation that the FBI officials who planned and executed uh, the search and seizure at, at Mar-a-Lago, they belong to the very same FBI counterintelligence division that, that conducted the investigation of Trump's 2016 presidential campaign for so-called colluding with Russia. And those that were involved in that are currently under investigation by special counsel John Durham, uh, so they they really should have uh, been recused from any additional Trump investigations um, to avoid the taint of uh, you know pre- pre- prejudicial uh, motivation, but they were not in this case in in this uh, counterintelligence uh, they call it a counter espionage investigation of Trump um, handling uh, classified information in, in Mar-a-Lago. So yeah, so Ray. Christopher Ray, the, the current director of the FBI, has only walled those characters off from FISA wiretap applications, uh, but they can be involved in in things like matters like this with Trump still. Christopher Ray, uh, someone styled him as a gangster the other day. Uh, others have had even less flattering uh, things to say about him, yet he persists, and uh, Congress and the Senate seem to manage uh, to get along. He has been a major problem throughout, has he not? Yeah, he's he's stonewalled Congress, uh, the investigative uh, committees, and then the ranking minority. Once Democrats can t- took get the gavel back on those investigative oversight committees, um, they'd asked for a number of documents on the Spygate, Russiagate uh, scandal, and uh, he stonewalled them. He stiffed them all these documents that they asked for. He was not cooperative. He misled them on a number number of um, uh, queries, and um, I think it was Senator Tillis who, uh, a few weeks ago, when he appeared before the Senate Judiciary to uh, answer questions, um, he had um, asked Ray point blank, "Hey, you know, who's been held accountable for this this uh, you know sham crossfire hurricane investigation? Has anyone been?" or disciplined at your bureau, at your agency. And, and Ray was, uh, the good thing about it is he confirmed that there there are a number of people that were on that Crossfire Hurricane team that are still currently working um, in the bureau, which probably surprised a lot of people. He said a number of, of, of them. Um, uh, but they're they're tied up in the Office of Professional Responsibility, which he said was their their disciplinary arm. Hmm. Um, and so why haven't they? What's been going on? Because they were referred for for disciplinary review by the Inspector General in 2019. What's what's the holdup? Why are these guys still working on cases and not being disciplined or fired or pushed out, whatever? And he said, well, it's because. Uh, Durham, <laughs> we can't do anything because Durham is investigating them too. Um, so there's so, so apparently there's some conflict, um, uh, and Durham it does move at a glacial pace. Unfortunately, he's, he's very slow and methodical. Uh, but I understand that Durham is is getting the the interview transcripts that that the Office of Professional Responsibility is conducted with these these agents and officials, and um, he's going over them uh, as part of his investigation. But this stuff should have been done years ago. 
And the yeah. fact that it's still going on now and allowing these, you know, by dragging out his investigation, Durham is allowing the dirty agents to regroup and start other investigations on Trump, like we're seeing right now in Mar-a-Lago, to try and justify the last one, which, you know, they came up embarrassingly short on any evidence. Yes, and this is preposterous, what is being permitted by Christopher Ray. And if, by the way, John Durham is the reason, his investigation is the reason that there has not been disciplinary action, in my opinion, taken against these agents who are dirty as they can be, uh, it's an outrage. And someone needs to take a look at whatever regulation or convention they're following to come up with that argument. Uh, and Ray, Ray is an outright uh disaster as director. Uh, I, I think he's corrupt. Uh, I can't think of any other motivation for what uh, he's doing here. And as you look at uh, you know, Tim Tebow, uh, pro bono representation from the law firm Morrison and Forrester, these agents are getting you know, you know, legal advice pro bono from some of the most expensive firms in Washington. And meanwhile, Others who have been ensnared in January 6th and the, all of the nonsense that has been going on, they're having to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this is a distinction of, uh, of class here. I think most people don't think about in this country, but there is a huge difference uh, between uh, Republicans and Democrats uh, in the ability to, uh, to deal with big law. Yeah, they uh, in Tebow's case, say, I'm told that they agreed to have him take an early retirement. As soon as he's out of the bureau, he's untouchable in terms of the inspector general um, interviewing him, and also the office of special counsel, which is different than the special counsel's office, which is, you know, Durham. There's something called the office of special counsel, which looks into these issues like the Hatch Act and everything. But um, the inspector general and that. Um, Office of Special Counsel cannot touch him now because they don't have any power to compel his testimony once he's a former employee. Only only current employees can they compel to um, answer questions from their investigators. So, this is how it works in Washington. This is, this is how sausage is made. I have to say, uh, I, I think a lot of people listening to your voice right now their heads are spinning because what we are, are hearing here is that the United States Department of Justice does not have the legal power, the investigative power, to investigate a dirty agent once he or she leaves the FBI. I, I mean, that's a head spinner. That's right. It, it's just uh, yeah, they can't compel his. Co- you know, they can't compel his cooperation, and and you know the Inspector General doesn't have subpoena power to you know make somebody that's outside the the government um, come in and testify under oath. So, you know, they're very limited in what what they can do to get to the bottom of these things, even if they're willing to. I I have to say that this Department of Justice, there are also conventions about not intervening in in elections with any action that they take, uh, investigative or prosecutorial. Uh, action that they can take within, what is it, 90 days of an election. And here we are, uh, far less than that from an election, and we've got Joe Biden about to make a political speech. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, these these raids, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, 
all of the back and forth about what was or was not there. Let's go to that for just a moment. Documents strewn across a carpet with a clear implication intended by the FBI that that was Donald Trump and his mess in Mar-a-Lago with classified at least binders and folders, if not uh, actual documents. Your reaction to that kind of nonsense from the FBI? Well, totally political. Uh, I can't believe, you know, the attorney general comes off as this kind of uh, cerebral uh, guy who's above all this this nonsense. But he signed off on that. I mean, that was a that photograph was was planted uh, for uh, the express purpose of media consumption. You know, it was just pure optics to make it look like Trump was being reckless with classified documents and had them all spread over the floor, um, which is nonsense. That's not how they were discovered uh, during the raid. Uh, the FBI agents took them out of uh, the files and put threw them around the floor like that, and snapped a photograph, and they put it in this, this court uh, exhibit, knowing that full well that the media would, would you know, spread it all over. Uh, TV, TV, and uh, that just shows how political this is. And is, and I love the fact that, uh, well, I don't love it. I shouldn't say it. I'm amused by it in some ways. The way the Washington Post is reporting on this story on Mar-a-Lago uh, and the New York Times, of course, they convene Maggie Haberman and all of the uh, the crew there to spin up and gin up uh, utter frankly, utter nonsense. Uh, and I love uh, the Drudge, uh, Drudge Report. Uh, they have now found that uh, Donald Trump, I believe the headline was, is hoarding top secret documents. And the, and the nonsense just keep, I, I say it's nonsense because I believe it to be utter nonsense. It, it's just crazy the way the national media is just uh, led around by the nose by the FBI and the Justice Department, isn't it? Yeah, they uh, <laughs> they definitely got their marching orders, and and they're taking this to the hilt. You know, the the Biden administration is is basically trying to criminalize former presidents having access to classified information, which is bizarre, since ex presidents still get classified intelligence briefings, and and you know they're they're set up with skiffs at their homes, where right. where they can read and store the nation's top secrets. So. When will Attorney General Garland raid Bill Clinton's Chappaqua home in New York? When is the media interested in that? And when will he raid Barack Obama's um, uh, Calamara home in D.C. or his uh, home in Chicago? Does Garland know for certain they don't have classified documents in their office files? So why why are they singling out Trump as if uh, you know the the commander in chief who who defeated ISIS can't be trusted with their national intelligence? It's a howling double standard, and you're right. It's it, it once again it reflects the anti-Trump bias that pervades the the, the permanent ruling class inside the Beltway. You know, that includes the me the media. They're part they're part of that ruling class. Believe me, a, a very impressive part court. of it. Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, there's some considerable uh, uh, <laughs> interconnection uh, between much of the media and intelligence, and uh, and on it goes. Let, let's talk to it's incestuous. Let, it is. It is very. Uh, let's let's talk a bit about 
this uh, scandal. And first, let's deal with the, the documents themselves. President, President Trump declassified those documents before he left office. That was never, ever executed by the folks who were in the chain of command to do so. And it was clear that the reason is that those documents contained a lot of embarrassing information for the intelligence agencies, as well as especially the Department of Justice and the FBI. Do you concur with that statement? Yeah, that's uh, a real concern is that, um, you know, the FBI in, in this raid is, is, you know, they have a personal vested interest in, in seizing some of these documents that Trump had uh, basically, you know, used the, using the raid to cover their tracks in, the, in their, their own Russiagate scandal. Uh, you know, they may be trying to deep six any evidence Trump might have kept on them. Um, and that is, that is a real possibility, um, you know, especially since the same counterintelligence division is running this, this operation down there. Uh, that they would want to, that, that they would want to make sure that those never uh, come to public light. Those those documents, and you know, Trump was earnestly trying to get a hold of them because he knew that it, it was a hoax and uh, a witch hunt against him. So he was trying to gather up that that proof, and they were worried about that. And um, another issue is this all came about as Trump was. Uh, progressing through his his lawsuit. He had a RICO conspiracy case against the Department of Justice. And it might be why the Justice Department is so worried about a special master finding out, you know, what they exactly what they took from Trump. Uh, not only just exposing the search as a fishing exhibition, but you know, they've already admitted errantly vacuuming up attorney client privilege information, including Trump's correspondence with his attorneys who are suing the Department of Justice in a RICO case for its role in leading the Russiagate persecution of Trump. So DOJ also has a vested interest in putting eyeballs on, on um, you know, Trump's legal strategy in that lawsuit, which are contained in those, those uh, 27 boxes that they confiscated. Did you ever imagine that the so-called national, and I'll call it corporate media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, all of the broadcast networks and most of the cable networks are so corrupt that they would not deeply examine uh, and explore the evidence before them and try to report earnestly, uh, sincerely, honestly, let me try honestly again, what was going on here. Instead, they have taken a, they have taken aside and they persist, and they, and it's obvious that they're doing so under their the orders of their corporate masters, or otherwise it wouldn't be happening. Well, you're right. The the major media is corrupt, and and it all starts from that from that. Everything folds out from that corruption because the, the other agencies in government can't can't be corrupt. Elected officials, politicians, and and also bureaucrats, if the media does their job. And exposes that corruption, but they're not interested um, in exposing corruption on the on the Democrat side or the, or the side that's uh, in this case the the administrative state, which is from the get-go has been against Trump. They, they felt threatened by his anti-globalist 
um, you know, foreign policy. And, you know, it creates a lot of cynicism among the public because it's become so blatantly obvious, this type of institutionalized corruption, that you can't have corruption this naked to the public eye and not, ha you know, not have anyone held accountable for it and still have a healthy constitutional republic. And that's what I'm most concerned about is, the, is really this, this corruption just keeps piling higher and higher to where everybody can see it and, and they see that there's you know, a two-tiered justice system, especially you know, in the Trump era, and they get really jaundiced and jaded uh, about you know, trusting government and now the intelligence community and, and, and federal law enforcement. And, and the courts, quite frankly, as well. Um, and that's just not healthy. That's that's just uh, right. I mean, it's it's uh, we're we're in a we're in a really uh, bad situation. If if the only the only person that's we can count on uh, hoping get to the bottom of this is John Durham, who moves in geological seconds. I mean, this guy. Has already let the statute of limitations expire and the wiretap abuses that everybody saw was so obvious. Even the, the FISA court has admitted it and invalidated at least two of those warrants. Um, so unless he's building a conspiracy to defraud case against the FBI, I'm not holding my breath. He'll he'll hold the FBI accountable um, when those statute of limitations have, have already expired. And he doesn't have the budget or the manpower for a conspiracy case. Yeah. He could barely handle the Sussman case, and he and he, you know he blew that. He either blew it or he so constructed, it's correct, constructed it brilliantly, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's hurry up and wait with Durham. Um, it's I, it's very troubling that he's operating on such a shoestring budget and with such a skeletal staff compared to Mueller, who was far more aggressive. I mean Durham could be much more aggressive if he wanted to. He could ask for more money. He could ask for more office space. He could ask for bigger travel budget, more prosecutors, more investigators. Uh, but unlike Mueller, he hasn't. Um, you know, and if Garland turns him down, he could make a stink about it. But he hasn't even tried. And, the, you know, he, he's, he's been dragging his feet even before COVID. You know, to, to, to be fair, COVID did slow him down because it shut down his grand juries. He's got two of them running one in the Eastern District of Virginia and, and, and um, one in D.C. Um, but he's just been dragging this on too long, and justice delayed is justice denied. And, um, and he you knows know, that. The, the, the long, I, maybe he does. I mean, he, he, he's an institutional guy. He, he's been with the Justice Department his whole life, and maybe he, he understands that, you know, to get to the this scandal is so bad and so deep that to get to the bottom of it, he'd have to burn down the FBI to, you know, uh, hypothetically to the ground in the Justice Department, which he loves and, you know, he's he's been part of his entire career. Um, but that might be what he's saying that it would take. And boy, I can't do that. I can't. You know, this would destroy these institutions. And you know, he's. I think he's an institutionalist from from what I understand. Like. Like yeah. Bill Barr was an institutionalist, um, and they love and revere, you know, the Justice Department and the FBI, and 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 um, the, you know the corruption is is so um, pervasive that 
uh, you know, th that's what it would take. It would take a huge Herculean effort, huge budget, huge staff to get to the bottom. And it just doesn't look like he's interested in doing that. Right. I sometimes I, I'm as a as a fellow who used to be a, a journalist. I'll put it that way. Uh, I'm an opinion host now, and I operate it a little differently. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes a thing is exactly what it appears to be. Uh, you mentioned Bill Barr. I believe Bill Barr is either uh, complicit in a cover-up of all of these sins that we know uh, occurred from at least July of 2016 forward through six years of political persecution of this president. Uh, I believe he's either complicit or actually a principal in that cover-up. Uh, he's the man who knew that Vice President Biden was lying in the second final debate of 2020 and refused refused to alert the American people as the chief law enforcement officer of that fact, uh, including the fact that the Hunter Biden laptop was a reality uh, and contained severe and damaging evidence against Joe Biden as well as his son, uh, indeed, the Biden family. Uh, he did that while simultaneously dispersing FBI agents uh, to various technology companies, social media companies, uh, corporate uh, media companies to bring down a cone of silence around the laptop and affect the election. Uh, it, it is it, it's straightforward. The man changed history. Bill Barr. This John Durham is his appointee, and it, he is in, clearly in the same lane uh, as uh, Bill Barr, and you talked about them as institutionalists. Uh, they, they are protecting uh, those who are corrupt, and, on, and there, is an, uh, there are very few people in this country who, as you suggested, aren't aware of the corruption, the pervasive corruption in our federal government, but particularly the Justice Department and the FBI. And further to the Delaware U.S. attorney who's been running a four-year investigation of Hunter Biden. Are you kidding me? You, you know, I, I, on any level, that's madness. Uh, and I can't think of another, yes, another example of it other than run out the clock and slow roll it. Your thoughts? Well, you know, you, you, you're speaking of protecting corrupt officials and, and Bill Barr. So Bill Barr, people don't understand that they, they don't go back very far in his, his um, bio, but uh, he, he used to run the legal shop at Verizon. Mm -hmm. And he hired one James Baker as his deputy there at Verizon. And James Baker was, was uh, Comey's uh, top lawyer at the FBI. Right. And and Durham re relied on James Baker, you know, cut cut him a break, didn't investigate him in exchange for his testimony against his buddy Sussman in that trial. And so so James Baker gets on the witness stand and it makes it very clear, telegraphs it to the jury that I'm a reluctant witness and, and I'm not going to give much um, it was like pulling teeth when they when Durham's uh, prosecutor was trying to um, get information out of, of Baker uh, to, to nail Sussman. 
And so he wasn't a good witness, and yet, you know, Durham let him off the hook. And you have to wonder why this, there's a special deal for James Baker. And it goes, it goes back to Bill Barr. They're buddies. And, and Bill Barr, of course, uh, hired Durham. Well, you know, now, I, it, something I, I, I something I didn't I didn't bring up before. To be fair to Durham, I, I've talked to some people that work for him in Connecticut, where he was the U.S. Attorney, and um, they say that um, you know he he uh, doesn't like to have a big staff in office. When, when, one of the explanations was, you know, I was like, why doesn't this guy do like Mueller and just hire everybody and and have this, you know, ask for, for millions and millions of dollars and really do this right as special counsel? And he says he likes tight control. He likes a small staff that he can control. He doesn't like leaks. He keeps a really tight shop. And And, and that is true. Uh, so that could be a possible plausible explanation why he's still operating with such a, a shoestring budget and a skeletal staff. He doesn't want, um, you know, to hire a lot of people and then, you know, they're constantly leaking, like what, which is what happened with Mueller. There were so many leaks out of his. He, he didn't have control, uh, much control at all over over that investigation. But so I just wanted to throw that out there. No, I, I, I. I... I I think that we appreciate I know we appreciate that to the audience. I, I have to say I, I went back over his resume carefully more than a few times. Uh, I've not come to this conclusion uh, happily or, or easily uh, that uh, Bill Barr is absolutely the pivot point uh, in who was elected president in 2020. I don't think there's any doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. I'll put it that way. Uh, and all all paths lead to Bill Barr and John Durham. Well, you can't you can't on one hand, you can't on one hand go to in front of Congress and say yes you know, under Democrats saying he's trying to steer him off. Wait a minute, you're saying the president was spied on? The FBI and the DOJ spied on the president. Are you sure you want to say that? And he says, no, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Donald President Trump, they spied on him. They spied on his campaign. They spied. That's the word he used. He, what, he wasn't going to budge for it. Wait a minute. You can't say that and know that and believe that and then not do anything aggressive to, to hold people who did that. It's political espionage yes. against the sitting president, uh, uh, the nominee for the Republican Party for president, and then the, the, the elected president-elect, and then in the transition, and then the, the sitting president. You can't say that and then not do enough. To get to the bottom of one of the biggest scandals in our history. And he not only didn't get to the bottom of it, he didn't want to get to the bottom of it. He walked out on the president in the moment in which he was most critically needed. uh, And he left President Trump uh, basically uh, helpless in that moment legally because he's departing. He had no one uh, available to him, uh, certainly with Bill Barr's background, his talent and experience. And he sat on Hunter's laptop uh, investigation for for how long? Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got FBI Mm -hmm. agents who've been under investigation for over three years. You've you've reported on many of them. 
we have a government, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, I just want to say this because I, one of the things I, I know about you and respect mightily in addition to your investigative and repertorial talents is that you have a fair mind and a broad perspective when you uh, go to a story. And you it's one of the reasons you always dig up terrific uh, material that no one else has. It's also why you constrain yourself to the to the uh, to the evidence and the reality, uh, you know, I, that is my long-winded way of extending a compliment to you uh, about your your talent and, and your and your immense value to the to a, a body of public knowledge that should be much larger, uh, but isn't. No thanks to the corporate media. Uh, I want to I want to turn to James Baker again. You mentioned him. Uh, he's also he works with this company with which you have more than a passing uh, familiarity, and that's Twitter. He is now uh, yes. deputy general counsel at Twitter, and you have just been that's suspended right. for life by a social media company. Tell the audience about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, well, Twitter kicked me off uh, the day after Trump's home was raided, and I was tweeting about the at the time and got a little pop-up notice that you've been permanently suspended. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so I'm still locked in Twitter jail as uh, one of their political prisoners. And um, But I'm on Getter now uh, under the account at Paul Sperry, at Paul Sperry, if your uh, listeners want to follow me there. I'm also going to get on True Social. Good. Um, but yeah, they they didn't give me any reasons. Just canceled my account without explanation, which, by the way, is a violation of their own rules, because they're supposed to uh, quote explain which policy you may have violated and which content was in violation. They didn't do that in my case, because they know I didn't break any rules, um, and they just don't like uh, my fact-based content because it cuts against their political narrative. And um, this is something that's set da- set down from the from the top. This new CEO, his name is um, Parag Agrawal, I think. Uh, yes. It's worth noting that this new CEO he he wants to focus. He he was caught saying this. He he wants to focus less on free speech and more on quote choosing who can be heard, who can be heard, especially in election years, apparently. So these are these are the these are the gatekeepers, these are the gatekeepers, who are you know big tech gatekeepers who are are holding our free speech hostage. They're in San Francisco and they have those same San Francisco values, totally out of touch with the rest of the the country, but they have that power. Yeah, they have to, the power. to gag us. And the Republican Party has talked big about breaking up big tech. Big social media demanding accountability, and I will, I will give them, you know, some leeway here because they don't have now control, but they had control of the entire government uh, under Trump and wasted it. Uh, Mitch McConnell, right. Paul Ryan, these are fools that who should never ever be. Uh, somehow they should be drummed out of the party forevermore. Uh, expunge from all public records. I, I don't know what else could be done to them. But they have put the entire republic, in my judgment, at risk. And and I hate what they've done to you. I hate what they've done to the president of the United States. And we as a nation just keep accepting this. 
And I believe in the old adage, what you accept, you will get. And that's what is happening to this country. Uh, we have a middle class that is being crushed right now. And the middle class is where, first and foremost, I truly believe the American dream lives. It resides. It's, it drives the pulse of this country. Uh, and to watch these fools and these knaves, uh, and I'm talking about the, the rhino liberals of the Republican Party as well as the Marxist dims of the, of the Democrat Party. They're destroying this country, and we've got, we've got to come to our senses. I want to turn, if I may, uh, uh, for, I mean, do you have a comment on, uh, on those thoughts? Uh, I, I think that uh, I think you're right. I, I like that adage. Um, too many people, uh, you know, get their back up after an election or after something uh, policy or, or a scandal happens or some, someone doesn't get the bottom of a scandal. And they complain a lot. And a lot of those people don't vote. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do something about it. You can't just sit there and complain or get on Twitter or get on some other social media and you know whine about stuff. You actually have to try and do something, um, and um, that doesn't happen a lot. The, the the activism is almost always on the left, and they're they're the ones who are activated and and animated. And they tend to, of course, they've got the the corporate media on their side, which which really helps. Exactly. <laughs> um, pushing their agenda, pushing their agenda, and covering up um, corruption, um, or 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 prosecuting. Uh, yeah. The other thing is, you know, something that you know, someone who has been in the media a while, you understand that. Investigations in Washington are driven by the media. That, really? that you know, usually, usually, usually the investigative agencies don't do a lot unless they're driven to do it. Um, and, and the media, media is, does that. And so, when you don't have the media uh, pushing for investigations, um, when they involve uh, you know, Democrats, then, you know, there's really, there's not going to be really anything that happens. Yeah, it's true. It is absolutely true. We always give our guests the the last word. Uh, I, I would hope that you would give us your sense of, of where you think uh, President Trump stands as well uh, right now in this uh, continuing assault against him uh, and how you think the the charges around Mar the Mar-a-Lago raid will conclude. Uh, the, you you have the last word on the Great America Show today. Well, thank you and thank you for the kind words earlier. I, I I think Trump can be forgiven for not trusting the FBI and Justice Department to ethically and honestly swear out warrants and uh, and and do searches and seizures, um, given their track record with him all the way back in 2016. Um, by the way, a, a full inventory, this might be another reason why why G, the Department of Justice is, is so worried about um, agreeing to a special master to find out exactly what they confiscated from Trump at Mar-a-Lago. 
I, I think a full inventory of the personal items that were confiscated uh, will help uh, Trump's team trace back to the FBI and the and DOJ any unauthorized leaks of those records to Democrats on the Hill and to the media, which that this is going to be a big part of this scandal going forward. Uh, you know, they want to chum out as much dirt on Trump as possible in case he runs again. And they also want to dirty up uh, Republican candidates for Congress that Trump has endorsed. But, you know, because the last thing that Democrats, especially Biden, want is Republicans to grab back the gavel to those investigative oversight committees in the House and, and you know, and subpoena his son and his, and his brother, Jimmy Biden. You know, they will do that. Um, and by the way, Biden's intelligence czar, Haynes, right. she is working with Adam Schiff right now. Oh, Adam God. Schiff to conduct a, a so-called intelligence damage assessment on the documents that were seized from Trump, okay. which almost guarantees they will be leaked far and wide before the election. We now have a citizenry who is skeptical of government, I think, at every level. I personally think that is a wonderful, wonderful uh, thing. Uh, staying skeptical of this government is critically important because they could do at least a little less damage if we actually know what they're up to. Uh, and by the way, Paul Sperry, we just want to be sure uh, that we say thank you again for everything you do uh, to enlarge the body of public knowledge, uh, to uh, to report with the uh, the highest of skills and uh, talent and uh, and result. Uh, we're, you're deeply appreciated. Thanks for having me on, Lou. And thank you, Paul Sperry. God bless you. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Tomorrow we'll be talking with our friend and legendary New York radio talk show host, Mark Simone. Please join us here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you, and may God bless America.